Talking about this series, Pray First, and it's kind of a, an updated version of one we've done before. And, but I also want us to understand I'm going somewhere with this. That as we begin to pray first, we understand that we're also uh, taking one step. And as we begin to take one step, that one of the things I'm focusing on, and really in my heart for 2024, is that we help somebody else take one step. That it's not just about me. It's about me moving forward, but taking somebody with me. We talked about last week that God can only sit in one place in our life. And I said this, if, you, if, God, if we were to walk into just an image of your room, of your life, and God is standing up, that's a problem. Because the Bible says he can only sit in the first chair of your life, the first position. And if he's not, that should tell us something. And this leads us to this pray first lifestyle, that we become something that pray first becomes our first response instead of our last hope. Now, I know we've all done it, but we're talking about the sickness. I know we've all been sick. You've been in the bathroom. You don't know what, you like, you feel like you're dying. I'm not saying that you don't pray. But what I'm saying is that every morning, we said this last week, when we put our feet down on the floor, we say, Good morning, Daddy. I'm listening. Just like Samuel did, and we talked about last week in the Old Testament. And you have a conversation that we're constantly praying before the doctor's office, before the big purchase, before you drop your kids at school, before you send that email telling somebody what you think. Maybe you should pray first before you send that text message. But for us to live this way, we have to make some decisions. And as I was thinking last week, I asked myself the question. Do we really believe as a church, that, as a congregation, that we can, I can actually hear God? And the answer last week, if you want to go back and watch last week, was yes. But then I also asked myself this question, which I just titled the message today. And it's, and it's a statement with a question where I can hear God. Like people tell me that all the time. Really? Like I know I can pray to God and okay, I believe you if God's God and he can speak to me. But when I pray, I can actually do that? You see, the truth is, we can talk to God, and here's the best part. He listens. Amen. See, it's not just us, yang, 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 and it's just bouncing off the ceilings. The Bible says that when his kids speak, he tunes his ear. Look what it says in, in Psalm 116. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for what? For help. I don't know if you've ever been stuck somewhere when you're by yourself and, and need help and there's nobody around. All of us here who, who hunt and you know, use climbers and climbing trees, I had a friend this happened to and I've heard rescue stories from all our EMS and EM, or firefighters and police all going to hunters that fall out of a tree. And I had a friend, he fell out of his stand but he had the safety harness on but he's hanging from it and he's stuck. And he drops his phone. So he's hanging. His phone is two feet below him, but he can't reach it, but he can't pull himself up to get undone. And he simply said, God, I don't know what to do. And about that time he hears his shot, somebody hunting close by and sees a wounded deer run by. Well, guess what happened next? The hunter came looking for the deer and found my buddy hanging from a tree. Can you imagine walking in the woods and you look over and there's a dude like... This, this, <laughs> Hanging in the tree. You see, 
that's what it feels like to most of us that we think, well, I talk to God, he just doesn't respond. But the Bible actually says, if you look at the second part of this verse, why? Because he bends down to listen. I try to do this in my job as a pastor, and I just think it's healthy. If you don't do this with kids, you should. And if you see me do it, that's why I'm doing it. Have you ever talked to kids? Have you ever noticed, if you watch what I do, is I try to do this and to get down on their level so they know at least it appears that I'm listening? See, God does that to us. He says, God, I pray as long as I have breath, I'm going to pray. Why? Because you listen. See, but then the question is, we asked this last week, why is praying so hard for people? I get told all the time, it's hard. I don't know what to say. Again, I said this last week, you got people that can talk and talk and talk and talk, and then you say, now let's pray, and we all lose our words. Or we switch to what we think is prayer, and we suddenly start speaking King James English, right? And that's not... Going to a British accent doesn't make, you may sound cool if you've got a good one, but it doesn't mean you're praying. See, God who created us wants to have a conversation with us. The God who sent his son for us wants to talk. God is clear. He wants to have a close relationship. That one verse says he leans in. There's lots of other verses that talk about God getting close to me. But anywhere I go, if somebody says we need to pray, what do you think happens? They all look for me, right? We sit at the table, go to eat lunch. If somebody, sit, somebody goes to pray, then they all look at me. Because, like, I have this bat phone to God. Well, I don't. It's very true that we all put our pants on the same way. We all talk to God the same way. And I don't have a special line to God. You can talk to God. So this morning, what I want to do over the next few minutes is I want to give you a roadmap. I have some, some of you that are my friends, and she's not going to mind me saying this. I didn't ask her, but I hope not. But my friend Lauren over here, she likes lists. I don't like lists. Like, just tell me what I got to do, I'll go do it. Lauren wants one, two, three, four, five, right? Well, some of you just need that to be able to take the pressure off of prayer, so I'm going to give you seven quick steps, uh, just a roadmap. You, if you just pray through these steps, you don't say the same thing every time, but just as a guide, because in the Bible, there's only a couple actual prayers word for word. And I think God did that on purpose. He did it on purpose because he wants to have a conversation, not a pre-scripted rehearsal with you. Not just something that's rote. There's, there's no, I mean, how would you feel every day when you came home, if you talked to your significant other and it was the same exact conversation, hi, honey. Oh, hi, honey. How was your day? It was good. How are the kids? They're good. And you just went through and read it like a script. Your relationship is not going to move at all. God says, no, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to I know, I want to ask you, and Mabel's sitting on the front row, and I pick at her all the time, how was your day? Good. How did you do on your test? Good. Anything happened today? No. What did you eat for lunch? Nothing. Why? It's terrible. We, we don't communicate. 
And it's the same thing with God. God's not asking. The silly thing is he knows. Mark, how are you doing today? Well, I know you're doing good. I know this and this. He just wants to hear from us. So I'm going to give you a map as we head in next week and start our seven-day restart and begin to pray. You can use this. Now, we're going to have prayer guides and just topics and things for each day for us to all unite and pray together. But this will give you somewhere to go. That there's only, again, a few prayers that are, mem- that are God gave us the Lord's Prayer, and we recite that. But I want to start with this. Here's how you start. Here's the first thing you start with. Number one, you start with gratitude. If you don't know what that word means, it's just a big word for say thank you. And then when you're done saying thank you, say thank you again. That about 40 times in the Bible, the Bible is very clear, that we should be giving thanks. Over and over, expressing our gratitude for God's mercy, mercy and grace. Mercy is God withholding what we deserve. Grace is Jesus giving us what we don't deserve and that we're grateful for that. We're constantly telling God, God, thank you. I tell my girls often when they say, well, they'll tell me, well, that's not fair. Fair is not a game you want to play when it comes to God because he gave us something that was not fair. He sacrificed his son for us. And when you understand that, you begin to, as you pray, you can, God, I'm thankful. I, I know where I would, I know where I would be if I didn't have you, and it's not a good place. The Bible says in Psalm 100 that we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to come into the room with praise, that give thanks to him. If you really want to know, people ask, why do y'all do like one up-tempo song and then a couple slow ones is because of this verse right here. The Bible says we're supposed to come in here today. We sang the song, I thank God. And we just celebrated. God, it's, it's celebrating. It's, it's praise. It's exuberant. I challenged our worship team today. I was like, we can't do I thank God and just do this. And I can't see everybody else, but I did happen to, I don't know where she went. I did look over at Michael today. Michael was standing beside me, I think. And she was getting down. And some of you may have thought, wow, she's moving today. Wow, what's going on? I warned them, but at the same time, we should have that same effect of, I'm just excited. I'm excited of what God's done for me. God, thank you. And you can pray that way. Prayer doesn't have to be this. You can, God, I thank you. You did it for me. And I would be in a pit somewhere, in a hole somewhere in my life. I'm thankful, God, for what you've done. The Bible says in the New Testament that you are to always be joyful. Always. And that's hard to do when you're in a bad spot, but the Bible says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. And then it has this line, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. You want to know what God's will is for your life? I can tell you part of it is that you have joy. Why do you have joy? Because he sent Jesus for us. And we should be grateful in gratitude. And I must admit, I'm going to give you this tag, this line in a second. You can go ahead to the next one. Don't give it to me yet. But I was sitting on the couch last night, and I didn't realize this. In my house, on the wall, is this line. It's, we've lived in our house now for almost four years. And I never realized it was on the, on the wall. And I did this way before I realized this yesterday. But this is the definition of gratitude. 
Gratitude makes what I have enough. In other words, God, if you didn't do anything else for me, you've done enough. Thank you. If you don't, if you don't move on my behalf, if you, nothing else happened, if I never feel you hear from you again, which is not going to happen, God, you've done enough because you sent Jesus for me. That's gratitude. Gratitude makes what I have enough. It's more than we deserve, and God gave us more than we deserve. Jesus was way more than we deserve. Then number two, you pray gratitude, and then as you pray, you remember the cross, and you think about the cross. You see, because here's the truth. When you see the cross, you should think this. I'm thankful because I had no other option. The Bible tells us there's by one way which man can be saved, and it's Jesus on the cross. And you begin to think about that and pray and tell, and I do this. It's okay. Ask God questions. God, I know you did it. Why, why, how, how could you send your son for me? God, how do I get more of this? How, you, know, you ask questions. It's okay, but you're thinking about the cross, and you understand that I'm powerless without it and have no other option. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and 6, says that you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, you were a sinner. You didn't acknowledge God. And before you ever even came to the earth, God said, I'm going to step in and give you a way to have some power. I'm going to give you a way to be able to spend eternity with me. I'm going to give you a way, and the cross does that. The next one is important, especially. Actually, go back to that verse. Go to the next one, 1 Peter 2. I forgot this verse. You need this one. It says he personally carried our sins. So next time you see the cross, next time you pray and think about the cross, the Bible, I believe this to be true. Because the Bible says that Jesus looked, I think, through eternity. As Jesus was on the cross, he looked through eternity ahead at me and said, yes, I'm doing this because Clint's going to screw up and he's going to need my mercy and grace. He's looking through, I know these people in Pennsylvania in 2024, and they're going to mess up, and they're going to need my grace and my mercy. And they're needing to tell people that they can have the same grace and mercy through me. And he looks through heaven. The Bible says on the cross he carried that, that by his wounds we're healed. Our lives are healed. Our eternity's healed. Our bodies are healed because of the cross. Now, the next one is important, especially if you have trouble with anybody, a control freak. All you control freaks. So you can't even, you have to raise your hand because you can't not raise your hand because you're in control. That was me. I still am. We've been, this is our 25th year of marriage and Melanie probably drives. We're both in the car and she's driving maybe once a year. Why? Is she a bad driver? No. I'm a control freak. I want to drive. If I'm able, awake, and capable, the last time she drove me was when I had, uh, I had some minor surgery and couldn't drive home because I was too gassed up. She drove. It's just, it's just me. But see, a lot of us, that makes that hard to talk to God because we can't do number three. And the thing you need to do as you pray through is just maybe remind yourself that, I'm God, I'm totally surrendered to you. I give up. I'm not doing this on my own. Because what we tend to do is we'll go through prayer even next week and we'll say we're surrendered. We'll give it all over to God. We'll give him our issues and, and give him the things we're praying for. But the problem is, come the next day, we just pick it back up. 
It's like if, you know, in a, in a battle, if the enemy went, I surrender. No, I don't. I surrender. Yeah, never mind. And that's what we do to God. We run in and take it off. And I think if we can understand that you can't do this partially. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that when you're lukewarm, you make, God said, I'd just rather spew you out, that you're either hot or cold. So sometimes I think in prayer, we need to, re, we need to remind ourselves as we talk to God that I, I'm all in. And this is me praying God's plan and purpose for my life. God, I'm going to do what your will is. I'm going to follow you. Your plan, your will is for me. Surrendering is saying, okay, God, let's do it your way. Romans says this. This is out of the message. Message is a paraphrase. It's not a direct translation. The guy wrote it for his family to read the Bible, but I like the way he says this. He says, fix your attention on God, and you'll be, the cha- you'll be changed from the inside out. God, I know on the outside I'm not manifesting this. This is not, people aren't seeing you and me, and I, but I'm asking you to change. And it says that you readily recognize what he wants you to do, and you respond. The same thing we do with our kids. I told you to take out the trash, but you hearing me doesn't make you obedient. What makes them obedient? Taking the trash out. I told you to take out the trash, but you put your clothes up. Well, that was wonderful, but I didn't ask you to put your clothes up. I asked you to take out the trash. And see, God says when we begin to do that, we recognize what he wants from us and we respond that from the inside, he begins to change us. And as we pray, my prayer is, God, I can respond to this because I'm totally surrendered to you. The Bible says this in John 3. It says that he must become greater and I must become less. I said this last week as we talk about God talking. There's a lot of us that God's talking. The problem is we can't hear him and we can't hear him because the loudest voice in our head is who? It's me. It's really, if you watch the, the praise team, whoever may be up here this week, each week, as they adjust our little headsets, everybody goes over and they turn everybody else down and they who turn who up? Themselves. They want to hear themselves. Well, I think as we pray in total surrender, there might be a time to go, God, I'm just turning me off. I'm going to listen to you and do what you say, follow you, listen to your voice, And then I'm going to talk about it. And you're going to pray over that, of what God wants you to do as you're totally surrendered. And that leads you into number four. Number four is this, that you offer an invitation. Well, Clint, that sounds silly. God's supposed to offer us an invitation. He's already done that. His invitation was his son who died on the cross for you. But the invitation in prayer is, okay, God, I'm surrendering, and now I'm inviting you into my life. This is the inviting in. You've heard me say this before. Remember going to grandma's house, you go to your grandparents' house and they have the room that nobody can go in because there's plastic on the furniture and all the vacuum, it's vac- carpet's vacuumed into perfect and if you walk through it, they go back through and vacuum and fix it, right? See, those are the rooms we don't let anybody in. Or like I've said before, when we used to have gatherings from the church at our house, it's just too big now, too many people, but we used to take everything you own and cram it in the closet and shut the door. Well, you, well, you're welcome to come into the living room, use the bathroom and the kitchen and make yourself a home, but stay out of my closet. Why? Because everything's in there. And in prayer, I think we need to do the, to God, okay, God, I open my house up. 
you can come see the nasty, dusty, dust ball, fur ball creature living in the bottom of my closet that hasn't been moved in 20 years, right? God, you can come. Just, I'm here. Because he already sees it anyway. But God, the Bible goes on and on about God being a gentleman and that he's not going to come in and take over. God responds to an invitation. God, I've received your son, and that says I can have a relationship with you. God, I'm asking you to, to come on in, to work in me as we take one step, to so teach me and lead me. Help me use the gifts that you've given me. Help me to make a difference. I invite you in. The Bible says in John 14, 26, that when the Father sends the advocate, notice that's capitalized. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power part of God that makes things move. When God says, I'm moving on the earth, it's his Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Coming up soon, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit and begin to talk about that. But an advocate is my representative. This is the Holy Spirit. In verse 26, he will teach you everything and will remind you. In other words, you're going to forget, but I'm going to remind you. And what you don't know, I'm going to teach you of everything that I've told you. And then you look in verse, verse 1 or verse 6 of Second Timothy. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Part of that is, okay, God, you want me to, to sing. You want me to get up on the praise team. Or you want me on the dream team and babies and, and nursery or greeters or ushers or whatever it is. Then, God, you put something in me. I'm asking you to, to, to fan that flame in me so it's effective. I'm offering an invitation to God. Then there's number five. Number five is something we should do if we're walking the process with us. Like Melanie was talking about, we're trying to read the New Testament, the whole New Testament together on the U version. That leads you into number five, and that's declare the promises of God's word. I wish I had done it. I didn't have time this week, and I've done this before, just to make a, a point out of it. But years ago, I, can't, I think I went and actually bought a lottery ticket, or I may have put money. Some of you have been around a while, maybe remember this. And I came in early that morning, and I stuck it under the chair. And I told the story. It would be like if you had, no, it was an Amazon card. That's what it was. If you had a $100 Amazon card stuck under your chair, and you just didn't know it, and you got up and left. You can't claim it, you can't use it, you can't call Amazon and say, well, I almost had $100, can I buy something? And they say, yes, but we're going to charge you for it, right? They're not going to, you can't use that gift card. So I did that and said that, and I said, well, I really did put a card under somebody's chair. And you would have thought we were giving away Oprah's free car. People were diving in the floors, crowding under chairs, and finally over here I hear, I got it, yeah, you know. The problem is you can't declare the promises of God that you're not aware of. You can't claim what you're not aware of. So when you pray through this, if you get to this and go, um, then my suggestion is start paying attention to the word. There's thousands of promises in the Bible. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 that and because his glory and his excellence has given us great and precious promises, Plural. These are the promises that enable you. His promises do something for us. His promises have an effect on us. It says his divine nature, you can take part in it. You can escape the mess of the world. 
And a lot of us don't claim that. It's like Melanie was saying the other day with all the sickness going around. We just get sick and then say, God, make me better. Why not? The Bible says that he's given us health and life and strength and grace and mercy. And that we just declare it. Even remind him. I don't think God gets upset when we go, your word says that I'm healthy, I'm whole because Jesus died for me. I don't think God goes, oh, you can't tell me that. I already know that. It's my word. I think he says, yes, you're right. And faith rises in us. Faith, the Bible says, is what moves God. That you declare the promises of God's word. You can't declare it if you don't know it. That's why we're doing the, the read it every day. It's a little chunk. It's a biteable, chewable chunk. And I guarantee you, probably almost every day, if you'll just pay attention, there'll be a promise in there. That you can pray and declare that promise over your life. You've heard me say this before in my, my old house in Sylvan Heights and all our family had been sick. I had been sick. The girls had been sick. And finally one day I went to my front door and I had just had enough. And I opened my front door and I told the devil to get out. And then I, and I pointed like I was talking to somebody, which I was. I was talking to the devil. And I said, this house is healthy. This house is whole. My Bible says that, that every knee must bow to every sickness, every disease. It has no place in my house and that's here. And I declare the promises over my house. Sometimes you just got to get fed up. And stand up and declare his promises. Well, that can happen when you pray. And then number six. And number six is easy when you're riding. It's easy when you're... It's easy if you're intentional about it. And that is number six, is you got to worship his name. And well, Clint, what does that mean? i got to sit up there, I thank God, you know. We'll get Michael to give us some lessons in a minute, right? No. See, we praise God for what he's done. He sent Jesus. I praise God. Thank you. He sent me. He healed me. Thank you. God, you sent your son for me. Thank you. But we worship who he is. The Bible says he is a lot of stuff. And the Jewish names for God, there's all these names for God, and they all mean something. They mean he's my shepherd, he's my provider, he's my peace, he's my healer, he's my righteousness, he's my defender, he's my sanctifier, he's the king of kings. And the Bible says there's even a name for God that says he's there. What's that? He's there. Well, I'm here. Well, God's there too. Well, I'm stuck in this. Well, God's there too. King David wrote in the book of Psalms, there's nowhere I can go, God, that you're not going to be there. I'm in the pit of hell, I've screwed it up royally, I'm sick, I'm dying, whatever it may be, God, you're there. I'm at the highest heights, life is good, I'm blessed, I'm serving you, all this is good, I'm there. And the Bible says you can pray his name. Ushers, you guys can go ahead and do your thing. Well, look what it, look what it says in, in Proverbs here. And I'm going to give you one more and we'll finish. Proverbs 18 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the godly walk. No. What does it say? The godly. Come on, y'all are with me. The godly. Run. I tell you, I was telling somebody with a, some new kids the other day. We've got, if you didn't notice, we've got lots of babies. And I was telling one of the dads, one of my favorite things, in, in, and I get teary-eyed just thinking about it, was I remember coming home, and I don't know why it was this day, but Mabel had just started walking Emma was still tiny, so I had two, two little sets of feet pounding. 
And I remember coming to the back door and opening the back door and hearing, and then hearing, Daddy! And they come leaning around the corner and just run into you. And when that happened that day, I'm telling you, this verse takes on a new meaning. Because I think that's what God does. The same way I just was overcome with joy and love and all the emotions of that, I think daddy goes, this is exactly what I wanted. So in prayer, the Bible says that we pray his name, we worship his name. Proverbs said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Psalm 95 says this, says that come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our maker. For he is our God and he watches over me. Right? He watches over me. We can worship that. God, I worship who you are. You're my healer. You're my provider. And if he is that, then he can be that. Does that make sense? If he is my healer, if he is the healer, then he can be my healer. He is my healer. And we can respond to that. Now, number seven, before we close. In the Old Testament, there was what was called the Ark of the Covenant. A box, real ornate, had two angels on either side, and they had their wings done like this, and they kind of met in the middle. And the Bible taught that in between those angels was where the presence of God, before Jesus came, before the Holy Spirit's here on the earth and stayed, the Bible says that's where the presence of God stayed. And one time every year, and I can't imagine having this job, one time every year, the priest had to go through all this ritual to be perfect. Robes, robes with bells and things that cling and clank on him. And they tied a rope to the brother's foot. Because every year, somebody had to go in and ask God to have mercy for the people of Israel. If his life was wrong, guess what happened? If his hymn was too short, a bell was not missing, he took too many steps, whatever the process he had to go through, anything was wrong, he dropped dead. They would pull him out. And can you imagine being number two? Like that guy just dropped dead and you want me to go in there? But the Bible said that every year they walked in and asked and made the sacrifice for the mercy and grace of God over the people. And this is our focus and our prayer point for 2024. That when you finish praying, just like when we leave here today, we never leave without offering people a chance to meet Jesus. When you finish praying this year, we need to do number seven, and that's pray for others. If you don't remember earlier, in the last year, we gave out lifesavers. Lifesavers weren't to eat. The lifesaver was to remind you to pray for somebody. I've got old crusty lifesavers sitting on my, on my sink in my bathroom that remind me I'm praying for him. And I'm praying in mind of three guys. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. And I'm praying for him. And you've heard me say, a couple years ago, one of my guys walked in the door. Been here for several years now. Because I think we need to go into the, into the throne room of God and go, God, I'm here on her behalf. 
I'm here on his. God, whatever you need to do inside them to draw them to you, whatever life you need to heal, whatever hurt you need to heal, and you just pray. You don't have to get spiritual. God, you know what they need. Help them. God, you know what's keeping them out of church. Help them. You know what's stopping them from sitting beside me in church. God, help them. That we begin to pray that. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, you can stand. You guys can go ahead and stand. I'll read this to you. Then we're going to sing this song, Christ be magnified. God be magnified in me so other people see it, so other people come to you. And Timothy says this in 1 Timothy 2. God, I urge you first of all to pray for people. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. If you look up the word intercede, it literally means that I get in between them my person I'm praying for and God and go, God, I'm asking you, there's this guy behind me. There's, there's Bob, there's John, there's Sarah, there's whoever, they need you. And I'm here on their behalf because if you did it for me, then what? You'll do it for them. And it says, and give thanks for them. There are some times in life where the Bible says in faith that we need to we literally, I think, need to do it. The Bible says faith is the, the, the hope for the things that, that we can't see. That God, I see it, I desire it, I see it in my head, it's done. I have faith for that. I think we need to do the same thing. God, I give thanks for John, for Charlie, for Bob, for whoever. They're behind me now, but God, they're gonna be standing beside me. We're gonna see 24 as we begin to pray first, people take steps with us. Amen? Amen, why don't you bow your heads? God, I thank you. Thank you as we stand here again. We never leave this room without giving people a chance to meet you. God, that we understand it's simple, that I can confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that Jesus, you did come for me. And God, we say, sorry, I repent for wrong and we walk with you. That that simple prayer allows us to join you. God, for those in the room who say, yep, that's me, I need to come back or I need to pray that for the first time. God, we celebrate as they pray that, as they make that prayer right now. And God, we thank you for it. God, I thank you that we can hear your voice, but God, we can talk to you. That over the next week, as we begin to pray, and as we go through our seven-day restart, and then every day after that, God, we have a conversation with you every morning, every single morning. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, as we close, I want to offer again over to my right, your left. I think Pastor Bob and Tammy are over there today. If, if you need somebody to pray with you, don't leave here without being prayed for. During this last song, you're welcome to go ahead and step out. The way you don't have to run and worry about getting kids or getting out of here. Don't leave today with a need on the table. Don't leave today knowing that you feel like you're alone because you're not. Because that's why we're here. And we'll stay as long as we need to. We're going to sing this song, Christ be magnified in me, that God people see you in me. And we thank you for it now, Father. God, I bless us as we go and we celebrate what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody say,